The following podcast, Fresh Perspectives, has been produced by Apari AmeriCorps member and recovery coach Caroline Buckley using the equipment and facilities of Wilmington Community Television, Inc., WCTV. Welcome to the second episode of Fresh Perspectives podcast with your host, Caroline Buckley, from the Wilmington Substance Abuse Coalition in Wilmington, Mass., As I mentioned in last week's episode, I will be discussing various recovery and addiction-related issues. In this episode, I will be discussing a specific theory on the disease of addiction. Uh, And again, like I said in in the last episode, you know, I do come from a 12-step recovery background. uh, And so the disease model that I'm about to present to you is uh, out of um, the basic text of Alcoholics Anonymous. But the actual theory... Uh, was determined by, or a hypothesis, a hypothesis was uh, determined by uh, the Dr. William Silkworth, and he was a doctor that uh, treated one of the co-founders of AA, Bill Wilson, and uh, he, you know, studied addiction for a very long time, and this was back in the 1930s. Uh, so you can only imagine the type of you know, stigma about addiction back then. Uh, as we know today, there's a lot of stigma about addiction, and there's a debate on whether, you know, addiction is a disease, um, but there's no debate. You know, the, the science is pretty clear um, from various different studies and, and all different types of things. You know, they have, you know, determined that it is a, a brain disease, and it does affect you know, the neurotransmitters in our brains. And so for someone like me, uh, you know, my brain reacts differently to drugs and alcohol um, than, say, uh, what I call a normal person who does not have um, an addiction. Uh, So in any case, you know, this doctor kind of laid out this disease model as a a threefold disease, that it affects the mind, the body, and... uh, I guess, the spirit or the emotional nature of of a human. And so, uh, you know, he kind of starts talking about the body first and what he he describes, um, you know, when an addict or an alcoholic picks up a drink or a drug, um, they, you know, have a compulsion to continue to consume uh, drugs and alcohol um, at any cost. And uh, he also kind of uses this metaphor of an allergy that, uh, you know, it's not a literal histamine reaction, um, but what he means by it is that, you know, drug addicts and alcoholics have an abnormal reaction to uh, drugs and alcohol once they put it in their body. And so, you know, this theory, when I first heard it, kind of made a lot of sense to me because um, I myself am I'm allergic to shellfish, so I know that you know, anytime I'm around, you know, shrimp or lobster or crab or things like that, I know to, to stay away from it because I'll, you know, break out and, and go into anaphylactic shock. Um, you know, I've known that since I was a little kid, so I know to stay far, far away from it um, because I know that it could be potentially fatal. And it's kind of the same thing with alcohol and drugs. For an addict and an alcoholic, um, you know, they know that it's bad for them every time they pick up. Um, But once they start, they can't stop. Um, And so, you know, this compulsion is kind of, you know, similar to, you know, nowadays I can give an example of, 
you know, they've done studies on how uh, whenever someone gets a, a text notification on their phone or an email notification, uh, you know, when they hear that ping on their phone, uh, it actually, uh, you know, stimulates the same part of the brain that cocaine does. Uh, so, you know, we can, you know, w- we know how addictive phones and, and social media can be. So that's kind of, you know, uh, a, a basic general, con- you know, concept that I can give to people who might not understand, uh, you know, this type of, of thing. So uh, basically, you know, what he goes on to say is that um, we, you know, this, this, uh, this part of the disease um, is chronic and progressive. And it gets worse and worse over a period of time. It never gets better. Uh, and that was true in, in my case as well. You know, that um, every time I would, you know, stop using drugs and alcohol and put a period of sobriety together and then inevitably relapse, uh, you know, it would get worse and worse. Like I would pick up right where I left off, you know, before. Um, maybe I could go back to, you know, just uh, smoking weed and, and drinking as opposed to going back to, you know, hard drugs like heroin and opiates and cocaine. Um, but after a time, it got to a point where, like, every time I relapsed, I was going directly back to, you know, my drug of choice, which became heroin. Uh, and obviously that's, you know, that's like playing Russian roulette. Uh, nowadays we know that, um, you know, messing around with opiates, uh, you don't know what's going to happen, especially, you know, now what the stuff is laced with fentanyl and things like that. Uh, so basically, you know, the bottom line uh, to this part of the disease is that eventually it is fatal, you know, and it doesn't necessarily mean overdose and die. You know, it could be a long, painful death with, you know, hepatitis, cirrhosis, HIV, blood infection. I mean, there's so many things, you know, so many uh, factors that, that could go wrong, you know, just from from using and, and you know, people's health deteriorates. So eventually, um, you know, it, it is fatal. Or even for, you know, alcohol, you know, people getting behind the wheel and driving drunk, you know, like um, that's definitely a huge gamble. So in any case, the doctor basically says, uh, you know, the only way to fight this part of the disease when an addict and alcoholic is actively using um, is to abstain or to, you know, stay away from any, you know, mood or mind altering substances to completely get clean. Um, and, you know, that would make sense to a normal person. If all my problems are caused by alcohol and drugs, then why don't I just put it down? Uh, and, and that made sense to me too, except every time I would get sober, I was never able to stay sober. And I always wondered why. And I didn't understand why I could continue to, uh, do the things that I did and, and hurt the family, hurt my family the way that I did. And so, uh, you know, the, the next part of the, the disease model is what the doctor refers to as, you know, the mind or, or, or the mental obsession. And basically, he defines this mental obsession as a persistent and reoccurring thought that does not respond to reason. So, 
that tells me right there that no amount of self-knowledge and self-will is going to be able to combat a mental obsession um, because it's beyond reason. So what this looks like for an addict and an alcoholic um, is when they're sober for a period of time and all of a sudden this thought crosses their mind that, gee, you know what, maybe I was making too big of a deal about this drug and alcohol problem you know I maybe I'll be able to handle it better next time or I think I'll be able to figure it out or you know like I just need to lay off that substance but I can still do this or you know I can do use these medications and not abuse them or you know like I I just need this medication in order to get through school or whatever it whatever it looks like you know these are you know irrational you know and intrusive thoughts you know because um, it's my mind tricking me, or at least in my experience, it's my mind tricking me into believing that I can do it differently. And, uh, you know, they define insanity as doing the same thing over and over again and, and expecting different results. Whereas every time it always ended up the same, um, you know, and so, uh, this part of the disease model definitely made a lot of sense to me. You know, it was told to me that I have a body that doesn't work and a mind that can't remember that, you know, because I could have gone through the worst hellish, awful, you know, withdrawal from opiates and, you know, have gotten clean off of it. And then all of a sudden I have this thought that like, maybe I can control it this time. And then all of a sudden I've started the whole cycle over again, Um, even though I just felt so horribly awful that, you know, I had like the flu times 10. Uh, but all of that, all of, all of those experiences went to the wayside for, for the next drink or the next drug. And so, um, you know, other type of obsessions could look like, you know, everything's going good, you know, like usually, um, for addicts and alcoholics that they'll use some sort of excuse for, for why they pick up. Um, whether it's, you know, they got in a fight with their significant other or, you know, they got laid off from their job or they got in a fight, whatever it is, you know, it's usually something bad happens and then they pick up. Um, but sometimes things could be going really well and and it could be a, a good day and everything's going great. And, uh, and you pick up, right? Because it doesn't, for an addict and alcoholic, it doesn't matter whether it's a good day or bad day, sunny, rainy, it doesn't matter. Like, we'll will use whatever excuse to, to use. And so, um, you know, in my experience that, that happened as well, you know, I wouldn't say that obsession happened as often as, as the other ones did, you know, those kind of like, um, intrusive, irrational thoughts, but sometimes, you know, I had these, you know, these episodic obsessions where, you know, everything was going great. And, you know, all of a sudden the thought came in that like, yeah, like everything's going great. Like, let's go, go use, you know, um, that it's going to be different this time, you know, or, or that, oh, you know, like I had a really hard week at work, you know, like I'm just going to take the edge off. I'm just going to have a, a couple cold ones and, you know, smoke a joint or something and be fine. And the next thing I know, you know, uh, I've already spent my whole entire paycheck on, on all different types of drugs and I don't know how it happened. Um, so basically, you know, uh, 
this part of the disease is, is where, you know, a lot of, um, you know, families that I know that, that have seen this disease model and uh, even people that are addicts and alcoholics, once they see this part, they're like, well, then I'm screwed, right? Like, you know, like I can't combat this obsession. It doesn't respond to reason. You know, how am I going to be able to combat this thing? Um, and it's really scary. You know, a lot of people think that they just get stuck in this cycle and, and it's endless and, and, uh, you know, it's hopeless. But I can assure you that there is a solution and that, you know, I found that and that's, you know, through, you know, what the doctor kind of revealed, uh, that, you know, in his experience, you know, treating people, um, with just like their physical symptoms, um, and what's going on on whether it's withdrawal or, you know, with therapy or whatever. He said that, you know, those things are great, um, but it's not enough to, you know, have long term uh, recovery or sobriety. And so the last part of the disease model is, you know, the emotional or, or I guess spiritual part of of the disease. And uh you know, that basically looks like anytime I'm sober without a solution, um, I become restless, irritable, and discontent unless I can again experience a sense of ease and comfort that comes at once by taking a drink or a drug. Um, and, and that's the way I felt most of my life, you know, even before I picked up a drink or a drug, you know, I f- didn't feel comfortable with self. You know, it was always like I was crawling out of my skin, always searching for something more um, instead of looking within. And, uh, you know, basically that restless, irritable discontent is just kind of life, right? Life on life's terms. Um, But for an addict and alcoholic who has no coping skills and no way to, um, you know, deal with life, you know, they they pick up, right? Um, and, And basically they refer to this as like, untreated addiction or alcoholism, you know, and, uh, these are just like my, my emotions and what normal people go through on a daily basis, you know, like a a normal person, like if they go through a breakup, yeah, they might be upset, you know, that they might go binge like some Ben and Jerry's or something like that, um, you know, and, and, and have a good cry over it. Um, but eventually that they'll be okay, you know, like, if it was me or if I if I had a bad breakup or if I had a fight with, you know, a boyfriend or whatever, it would be like, all right, well, screw them. Like, I'm going to go shoot dope and coke. Right. Like, like, that's insane. Like, that's not normal. Um, but that's what I would do. Right. Like, I'll show them, you know, and, and go get high, um, which is not like a normal way to deal with problems. Right. Um, so in any case, you know, basically you know, uh, uh, through this, you know, theory that, that I studied through Dr. William Silkworth, you know, he talked about, um, addicts and alcoholics as having like the spiritual malady, which like a malady is like a sickness or an ailment. So basically he was saying, you know, that addicts and alcoholics are spiritually sick and, and they need to, the, to fill, fill the soul with, with something, um, greater than, than human power. Um, and so that's kind of where this whole higher power, um, concept came from because, you know, the doctor says in, in his, um, in his testimony, uh, in his letter called the doctor's opinion, 
um, in the basic text of, of Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, you know, he says uh, that that this is, you know, the spiritual stuff or this emotional, um, you know, condition that addicts and alcoholics, you know, um, are in is outside of their synthetic knowledge. Because a doctor goes to school to treat the body, treat the condition that's like in front of them. They don't study any realm outside of that. And so, you know, uh, the doctor really can't prescribe uh, a spiritual awakening, you know, um, that that's something that that needs to be found um, within. But but through a lot of like introspection and, and reflection and working on self. And that's kind of what the 12 steps are designed to do. Uh, so, uh, again, he also kind of describes this spiritual malady as like chronic and progressive because like, at least in my experience, like the longer, you know, um, I continue to, uh, compromise my morals and values for the next drink or the next drug, um, you know, I would inevitably pick up that basically, you know, I, grew up knowing right from wrong. I grew up with morals and values. You know, I came from a good home and a good family. Uh, but like once I was, you know, kind of crossed that, that imaginary line from like heavy drinking and using into addiction, you know, I'm not really sure when or how that happened. Um, but it did, you know, I was not able to, um, stop, you know, that like if it, if there was, something or somebody in the way of me getting high, like I would manipulate my way, you know, around it or, or go through it in order to get the next fix. Um, and so I definitely hurt a lot of people, caused a lot of harm, um, did a lot of things I'm not proud of in order to do that. And, you know, for an addict and alcoholic who doesn't know how to deal with life on life's terms, when they get consequences or when they feel that guilt, shame, or remorse about the things they have done, What's the only thing they know how to do in order to get out of the way they feel because of the things that they've done to get high is they get high, you know, like that's all they know how to do or, or drink, whatever. Um, and so, you know, I, I saw how like each of these three aspects of the disease were correlated and, and interconnected um, that like every time, you know, I pick up a drink, all bets are off. And then once I get sober, I have no defense against the first drink because this mental obsession comes in and I have no way, you know, um, to deal with it because I have no solution. And then, you know, I start the whole cycle over again. Um, and, and I was stuck in this cycle for quite a long, you know, quite some time. Uh, and so basically, you know, what the doctor outlines and, you know, obviously what, um, Bill Wilson kind of, uh, created was you know the 12 steps and and a fellowship and these types of things so basically um you know it's saying that the solution is within this you know fixing the spiritual malady you know um filling this hole inside my soul and and those types of things um you know and and basically suggests that um you know the only way to remove this obsession or for this obsession to be lifted um, so that I can be, you know, restored to sanity um, and, and be recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body, you know, I have to practice 
certain types of spiritual um, principles um, and practices. And so that for me was through the 12 steps and, and finding some sort of connection to uh, some sort of higher power because clearly my own human power and others human power was not enough for me to stop uh, you know they talk about in in this doctor's opinion as well they use this terminology uh, they say frothy emotional appeal seldom suffices uh, which basically means that like no amount of love or guilt trips uh, or things like that were are enough for me to want to stop um, I wish they were you know, I wish that that I didn't cause the harm that I did, you know, but um, I realized that like this disease, you know, was far more powerful than any of those things. Right. Hearing things that, you know, if you do this again, I will leave you. You know, why do you do this to us? Don't you love us? Um, you know, you'll be disowned from the family if you do this. You know, um, you're not welcome here. All these things I heard it countless times uh, was still not enough for me to stop. You know, and that's how I could differentiate myself from like, you know, someone who who might drink or use heavily as opposed to someone like me who, are, you know, considered like the real addict or alcoholic um, that like most, you know, I guess hard drinkers would be able to stop, you know, if there was a heavy consequence put in place. Like if they got a DUI and lost their license and, you know, at heavy, you know, court fines, chances are they'd probably stop. Right. But like for a real addict and alcoholic, they're unable to do that. You know, like I continued to do things like that um, over and over. And so, you know, for me, the first time I, I heard this, it really opened my eyes. You know, I really started to see, you know, what I truly suffered from. And then I was kind of, you know, given a solution to that, you know, and so. Um, when I came in, I was so hopeless and so broken, you know, I, I don't necessarily in my, like, I personally don't believe in, in rock bottoms. Um, cause for me, like rock bottom is, is six feet under, but you know, I, I got to an emotionally, um, I guess, um, emotional, like bad place. Um, and it, it was too much for me. And so, um, you know, this, this, I, I think is, is really important to like hit home. And, and I know there's like, um, you know, a lot of, especially for, you know, families or loved ones who have no idea about this thing. Obviously, yes, this information would be good for the addict and alcoholic, but it's also good for the family to be educated on these things. Uh, and so I know there's a lot of great, you know, um, uh, family type meetings and, and resources around, um, you know, for those of you who don't know, of course, there is, um, you know, anonymous fellowship called Al-Anon and that's for, um, you know, loved ones or family members, um, of addicts and alcoholics. Um, and you know, they, you can find uh, the meeting list, uh, online, um, you know, you can just Google Al-Anon or whatever in your area and, and you'll be able to find those meetings. Um, they kind of, you know, use the 12 step approach, but for like the family members. So they kind of like replace, you know, the word alcohol or, or drugs in, in the literature with, um, you know, they kind of replace that with like their codependency to their loved one's um, disease or, or addiction, um, you know, and then they have other 
uh, support groups called Learn to Cope. Um, you know, learn the number two cope dot org uh, is where you can find uh, meetings in your area for, you know, family and loved ones of, you know, addicts and alcoholics. And, and they do uh, provide a lot of like education and resources. You know, they'll do Narcan training. Um, they you know, you can buy drug tests. Um, you know, they do all different things there. Um, but, you know, usually it's a it's a really good um, support network and a lot of um, a lot of help there. Um, you know, there's other types of family meetings uh, as well. You know, I'm probably going to miss a few, but, um, you know, there's another one uh, through the Family Restored uh, and the meetings are called Addict in the Family. And basically they talk a lot about the stuff that I just talked about. Um, and, you know, they kind of talk to, to families and kind of give them, you know, some um, help as to what to do, you know, with their loved one, you know, to get them to go to treatment or what do they do after treatment or, you know, anything like that. Um, you know, and they, they have a really good meeting uh, in Stoneham on Tuesday nights at the Senior Center. And, uh, you know, again, you can look that up at thefamilyrestored.org. Um, and, you know, it's a, you know, all these different types of meetings, highly recommend to anyone, um, you know, even myself, like I sometimes go to these uh, support groups for, you know, friends of mine that, you know, aren't doing too well right now, you know, um, just because even though I'm an addict in recovery and have a solution does not mean that I can't, you know, uh, participate in these types of things because I am also affected by the disease of addiction as well. Um, and so, you know, like all these types of resources, they, they really give you education around these things. Obviously, some of them have their, you know, own little design on how they do their program. Um, but basically, uh, you know, these are kind of some similar topics that, that they discuss. And again, like I said, I, I highly recommend. Um, so for those of you who think that I'm, you know, full of crap or for those of you who don't understand what the hell I'm talking about, uh, you know, please let me know. Uh, you know, I'd be more than welcome to, you know, discuss these things um, outside of, of the podcast. Or if like you, you know, drop a, a question or a comment or whatever, uh, you know, on the um, podcast through Facebook or, or whatever, you know, I'll try to address that in the next episode. Um, but uh, you know, I'll definitely be more than willing to talk about that um, anywhere else. So I hope that, you know, I, I gave somebody some, at least one person, uh, if not more, some good information and kind of, uh, you know, open your eyes to a different perspective. Um, and I know like a lot of people, you know, don't follow the 12-step approach because they think it's religious and culty and blah, blah, blah. And I can assure you that, you know, I used to consider myself, I guess, not necessarily an atheist, but definitely an agnostic. I definitely did not believe in, you know, anything um, spiritual uh, whatsoever. And, you know, um, I got to a place where it was just so uh, bad that, like, I had nothing left to lose. So I was like, you know what, I'll give this thing a shot. And, like, you know, I, I started to believe that other people believed. And I started to see, like, other people getting better and thought, you know, me, you know, I started to have a little bit of faith, you know. And 
and I started to feel a, a connection and not necessarily just with a higher power, but like with other people, you know, for a long time, I felt extremely disconnected from everything and everyone. And the only thing that made me feel even a little bit connected was drugs and alcohol, you know, that like drugs and alcohol became the solution to the way I felt, um, because I was dying inside. And so, you know, um, this is, you know, it, it isn't a religious program. It's a spiritual program. And, you know, um, I used to say, say this quote a lot. Um, but basically, um, what it is, is that, you know, you can't, um, fix a spiritual problem with a human solution, or you can't fix a spiritual problem with a chemical solution, right? It doesn't work. So, um, again, like I said, you know, um, I'm happy to answer questions at any time. And, you know, I hope that you guys got something out of this and, uh, I will see you next time.